When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for the low. Welcome along to Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you as in segment number two, we're going to be joined by Andrew Cayley. He does amazing work over at Covers. He covers a little bit of everything and we're going to be chatting with him about some of the teams that might be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. The reaction that we should be having to Lucas Giolito getting traded to the Angels. And we're going to be taking a look at that Angels versus Blue Jays game as he is going to be on the pump on Friday. And we are going to be taking a look at just some good spots to be able to try to make some money for this Friday with Andrew in segment number two. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but... We had a very interesting day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Well, a little bit of cleanup from the Wednesday card as well. Wasn't able to get you much with regards to Giants versus A's as that was a game that had just gotten started when I had to upload this podcast. But Giants were able to get it done on Wednesday by a count of 8-3 to three as he just had no idea who was pitching for the Oakland A's. Freddie Tarnock, he was able to get the open. Two and two-thirds innings, allows three runs. And then the actual scheduled starter, Hogan Harris, he was not Hogan's heroes. As he gives up two runs in three and a third innings. From there, Andre Felipe, he gives up a run in one and two-thirds innings. And then you had Sammy Long give up two runs while getting it out of the bullpen for the San Francisco Giants. 
That looks void. Did a solid job in a bulk roll. Three scoreless innings as so Poopoo Platter are pitchers in this one. Jacob Junis allowed three runs, two of which were earned in an inning, but you had Ryan Walker, Scott Alexander combined for three innings scoreless, and then you had from there Luke Jackson be able to supply a scoreless inning along with Tyler Rogers, a scoreless inning, and for the Giants, pair of home runs, Austin Slater, fifth home run season, J.D. Davis is 13th. So that NL wildcard race in the NL West, that is very hot and heavy, and the team has been the biggest buyers thus far, the LA Angels, they pick up a pair of wins against the Detroit Tigers. How about a one-inch shutout from Shoya Otani? 6-0. The Angels are able to get this one in for Shoya Otani. Just an absolutely tremendous performance. And then Taylor Ward helped him out. Two home runs. 13th and 14th home runs of the campaign for Detroit. And Michael Lorenzen gave up three runs over the course of five innings. And Zach Lowe gave up both of those home runs to Ward, giving up three runs over the course of four innings. And for the Detroit Tigers... Just simply nothing doing. Gary Carpenter, the only man that was able to get a hit for the Detroit Tigers. And then in game number two, it's actually a larger margin of defeat for the Detroit Tigers. They lose by a count of 11-4. As for Patrick Sandoval, did a solid job, giving five innings, giving up two runs for the Angels. From there, the bullpen was able to clean things up. Zach Wise, along with Aaron Loop, they combined to give up a run in their inning out of the bullpen. But Jacob Webb, Gerardo Reyes, Aime Badia, they all lend a squirrel setting in. For the LA Angels, he had a quartet of home runs in this one. Eduardo Escobar goes deep off of Matt Manning, his fifth home run season. Manning gives up two to Shoei Otani, his league-leading 37th and 38th home runs of the season. And then you had Hunter Renfro be able to go deep. That was home run number 16 of the season. He went deep off of Trey Wingenter, who gave up a run in two innings. And for Matt Manning, he filled five innings, but he gave up the other three home runs, allowing seven runs along the way. Jason Shreve, Squirrel is saying, and then Brendan White. He gives up three runs over the course of an inning. Javi Baez up to 14 errors, by the way. So, that's not necessarily too terrific for the Detroit Tigers. I do have to do this before the Greg Peterson experience, which is from midnight to 3 Eastern time out there on the East Coast. So, we don't have a resolution yet with regards to Nationals versus Mets. This is a game that is currently in a delay in the 8th inning with the Mets coming up with the bases loaded at one out, which means that they're probably going to find a way to completely screw this thing up. It's good, Isinga. Very good start here. One run surrendered over the course of six innings. David Peterson, no relation, has come in and lent two scoreless innings. And for Josiah Gray, it's looking like his good efforts might be wasted in this one. Six scoreless innings from him. And then from there, you had Jordan Weems go for a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Jose Ferrar was able to get in and out as well. But you had Mason Thompson put a bunch of men on base. He's already allowed one run. And we're going to be seeing if that is going to be more than that. This DK Network write-up pick is going to be able to get in. The game is not quite final yet, but I mean, this game was pretty much finished in the first inning when Miles Michaelis got thrown out of the game. Very interesting sequence as Ian App was at the plate. He swung on the back part of his swing. He hits Wilson Contreras, the catcher, forced Wilson Contreras out of the game. Miles Michaelis throws that Ian App once, misses. Second time, he hits him right in the rear, and then he gets tossed. In my opinion, a soft ejection, to say the least. There was no warning issued. There probably should have been a warning issued after the first time he threw over to him. Just a very strange situation. So Michaelis goes two-thirds of an inning, allows one run without giving up a hit or a walk as a hit-by-pitch is not on his walk, and then from there, Dakota Hudson in long relief, not great, giving up five runs over the course of four and a third innings. Drew Verhagen has come in and has given this team a scoreless inning, but Andrew Suarez, he comes in for two innings, giving up three runs, and in Cardinals' bullpen, that was already pretty taxed. They're even more taxed as Austin Kniser, who had to take over for Wilson Contreras. The lone run of the game right now 
for the St. Louis Cardinals. Seventh home run season. That comes off of the Man of Steel, Justin Seal, who goes six innings, lying one run. Daniel Palencia has come in. He has given a scoreless inning in for the Chicago Cubs. Mike Talkman went deep off of Suarez. His fifth home run season. Barring a complete calamity, that'll take the DK Network win streak to four in a row. So, feeling good about that. And then the other Chicago team. They're going to be looking to try to claw their way back against the Cleveland Guardians as I record this. It's the bottom of the seventh inning. The uh, Cleveland Guardians still have Tanner Bybee out there on the mound. Currently up by a count of 5-3 to three as Bybee has allowed two home runs over the course of six-plus innings. Jake Berger has taken him deep twice. 23rd and 24th home runs of the season. And for Dylan Cease, rough start here, giving up four runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Aaron Bummer lives up to his name, gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen while allowing a run. And Gregory Santos gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. As the Guardians, by the way, 4 of 17 with runners in scoring position in this game. So things are wild and crazy out there, and things have been wild and crazy this baseball season thus far. If you're looking at the trends of Major League Baseball, we've seen 739 unders to 730 overs thus far this season. That's about a 50.3% hit rate to the under. Favorites are still hitting right around 58.2%, 887 and 636 straight up are favorites thus far this season, but we have now seen a grand total of 232 favorites went out right, but not be able to cover the run line if you're taking a look at the last 30 days. Favorites, they're at about 57.2%, 199 and 149 straight up with having a grand total of 54 favorites that have won outright, not be able to cover the run line, and the overs have been quite solid over the last 30 days, 172 overs to 162 unders. That is a hit rate of about 51.5%, and if you're looking at the last seven days in Major League Baseball, unders have had a little bit of a comeback, 43 unders to 37 overs, and in this time span, favorites have went 45 and 40, so has been dog days at the ballpark, and it is always great to be able to take a look at so many of these underdogs, being able to take a look at the game of baseball, and a man that does a great job of that. That would be Andrew Cayley over at Covers coming up next. We're going to be taking a look at some teams that could have an interesting trade deadline period over the next few days. Take a look at some games for Friday and get you guys some bets for Friday. That's on the flip side right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. 
That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovey, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, Andrew Cayley. Does a great job over at Covers, and he covers a little bit of everything. Baseball, basketball, golf, football, you name it, he does it. You're able to find his... Picks that are dedicated to the Toronto Blue Jays and the bat flip and pick of the day every single day on his Twitter feed, which is over at covers underscore Kaylee. That last name is spelled C-A-L-E-Y. 
This man does a tremendous job taking a look on so many different fronts. And Andrew, I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Greg. Always happy to talk baseball betting with you. Always happy to have you aboard. And Andrew, let's first things first, talk about what we've all been seeing at the trade deadline over the last few days. As the one of the biggest moves that we've seen thus far is Lucas Giolito going to the Angels. Ironically enough, you're going to have a nice front row seat to that as it is going to be a case where the Angels with Lucas Giolito making his debut will take on the Blue Jays tomorrow. We'll dive into that game specifically in a minute or two. But what have you made out of the early trade deadline moves? And what are you thinking is going to be happening over the next few days? Because I feel like this is just sort of the first few little waves before we get that big giant riptide that is going to be coming in in the next 48 to 72 hours. Well, it was really interesting, obviously, to see that the Angels are taking their shot here and they're going to go for it. I don't love the Lucas Giolito move, but he's better than what they're throwing out there sometimes over every five days. It's the right move. I don't see how you could ever trade Shohei. You're just never going to get the proper value in return, particularly because he's gonna he has the chance to walk at the end of the season. You're never going to get what you think is fair value for him. It would have been incredibly difficult. So it may blow up in their face spectacularly, but I appreciate that the Angels are going for it there. And I actually do kind of like the Reynaldo Lopez move to Strup because you and I, we joke about how dismal that Angels bullpen can be at times. And, and Lopez has been better since being moved to the bullpen, and I kind of like that move for them almost even a little more than the Giolito move. It's going to be interesting, obviously. The American League East, we can break that down a little more later. The Orioles, the Rays, the Jays, the Red Red Sox and the Yankees, maybe not the Yankees, but basically four of the five teams look like they could be buyers at this point. And even the Yankees, you know, who knows what they'll do at the end of the day. Maybe they think they're still buyers at this point. But Red Sox obviously playing well. Blue Jays only five and a half games back. And the Orioles, I think they're the team to watch more than anybody. This They have this great young lineup supported by an excellent bullpen. And in that sense, they kind of remind me of, of those World Series Kansas City Royals teams. What they also have is a very loaded farm system with tons of top prospects which they can now show off to opposing teams and then use those to acquire some starting pitching which is their biggest hole right now but you go out there and you add maybe a Max Scherzer or a Marcus Stroman or someone like that suddenly this Baltimore Royals team which now has a one and a half game lead in the American League East and they could be a real problem come October obviously teams like the Dodgers and the Braves all always try to make little improvements here or there but interesting to see if a team like the Marlins who are still fighting for a playoff spot what they do and then then you've got teams like who are the selling teams like the Cubs are the selling teams right now are the Padres going to sell that that's one of the more interesting situations 10 games back in the National League West could they move a Blake Snell I'm not sure would they even consider moving a Juan Soto after just acquiring him at last year's deadline maybe they do because they really don't have much use for him right now it's just gonna be a very fun next couple of days oh I'm right there with you and I think that you bring up the most interesting cases for this trade deadline as well as Andrew Cayley. He does amazing work over at Covers. He's joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And that's the Mets and the Padres because both of these teams, they really need to catch some fire in order to have any ghost of a chance whatsoever of being able to make the playoffs. These are lost seasons for them. But the problem is they've already went all in for this upcoming season. That big giant Juan Soto deal, the Xander Bogarts deal, the Manny Machado deal for the Padres. They acquired Josh Hader at the trade deadline last season, which I don't know what the Milwaukee Brewers were thinking there. But that said, a congratulations to the Padres on being able to get that acquisition. And then for the Mets, as we know, 
They've got the two old guys in Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer who have been a little bit better recently, but those are pretty unmovable contracts as well. And I think that they're the most interesting cases because they should be sellers. They better be sellers, but I don't know if you're going to be able to unload some of those just very unfeasible contracts. Yeah, it's a good point as well, but I think the team that can make it work is the Orioles. They don't have a huge payroll right now, and I think they're confident that if they acquire some high-end arms, that they can win the World Series this year. Like I said, if I think there's a team that can make it work, it might be the Orioles. Yeah, that is going to be such an interesting case, and a team that did make it work for Lucas Giolito is the Angels, and Giolito is going to be making his debut against the Blue Jays, which could be very interesting to see what your Blue Jays do at the deadline as well, and Right now, with Kevin Gosman going up against Giolito, the Blue Jays are anywhere between a minus $2 to a minus $2.10 favorite, between plus 175 to plus 180 is your number on the Angels with a total of 8.5. How do you view this game? Because for Lucas Giolito, he has had his struggles on the road this season, and this is a very strange spot because he's actually pretty much right on par with when he should be pitching. He was the projected starter for Friday for the Chicago White Sox before getting moved, so This is right on his rotation spot, but he's pitching on a different team and in a different city that he was expecting to pitch on Friday. So he's a little bit of a fish thrown out of water, but at the same time, his schedule's not really been thrown off with this. Really interesting spot for sure. And Giolito is a really interesting case this year as well. Like, it would not surprise me if he goes out there and he gets shelled for six runs and seven hits by the Jays. But at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if he pitched six innings and gave up Two runs on three hits sort of thing. It's a really hard to know what you're going to get with him right now. His consistency has been a real thing. His expected ERA is a 4.47, so that kind of like, he's been kind of up and down, and that's why you get that in there. But one thing that worries me about going against the Blue Jays is that the opponents are really slugging well against him. He's in the 27th percentile in expected slugging percentage. While the Jays have their issues with Runners in scoring position, they still rank third in batting average, ninth in OPS, and seventh in weighted runs created plus versus right-handed pitching this season. Their biggest problem recently has also been their bullpen. Maybe a little lean here towards the over because Toronto's lineup, like I said, hitting better right now. But we've seen them in the last couple of games. They went 3-3 three and three in this road trip against the Mariners and the Dodgers. Could have easily been 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. Late leads and all three losses and the bullpen coughed it up. The numbers for the bullpen are, are quite good, but they're definitely getting overworked right now. So don't be surprised if the Blue Jays make a move for another high leverage bullpen arm. I know everybody's looking for high leverage bullpen arms, but the Jays really need that at this point. Gossman's obviously been excellent. He leads the American League in FIP and strikeouts, but the Angels have a strong lineup. And while he doesn't get hit all the time, he is good for a, feels like a home run every now and then. And the Angels certainly have some pop in that lineup. So, like I said, a little lean to the over eight and a half in this one. This is going to be a very interesting case with the LA Angels. And the way that they have hit without Mike Trout in the fold has been a surprise as well. Showing to me on the show, we do have Andrew Kaylee over at Covers because Mike Trout went out on July 3rd and Ever since then, we thought that the offense was going to flail because not only did they lose Mike Trout, but they were dealing with an injury with Brandon Drury. Anthony Rendon went out right around that same time as well, which that's something that the Angels are very used to. That, in my opinion, wasn't very much. But they have scored (laughs) four-plus runs in all but two of their games ever since Mike Trout has been out of the fold. I keep thinking that, man, there might be a little bit of regression, but I actually think it's sustainable for the Angels. And 
At this point, I think the Angels are becoming, for lack of a better term, a beer league softball team where they're just playing a whole bunch of high-scoring games. <laughs> yeah, man, we've said it before. This bullpen ain't doing them any favors right now. We could see some fireworks. Absolutely, and a team that I know that you were bringing up quite a bit as being buyers at the deadline is the Baltimore Orioles. I would think that they are going to be looking to bolster that rotation just a little bit. Grayson Rodriguez, who I think has a lot of upside, but I don't know if he's quite ready for the major leagues quite yet. He is going to be going for the Orioles. Garrett Cole is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Total of eight and a half, and the Yankees are between minus 115 to a minus 125 favorite. How do you view this one? Because with the Yankees, ever since Aaron Judge has been out of the fold, a bottom five team in terms of runs per game, dead last with Aaron Judge out of the fold in terms of batting average. Going up against someone in Grayson Rodriguez who has been a strikeout machine, but has also been a machine at missing spots and giving up a lot of hard contact as well. So, I mean, so a very interesting situation. Hit the nail on the head there about the Yankees lineup. They've been a basic dumpster fire since Aaron Judge has been out. 27th in weighted runs created plus since he got hurt on June the 3rd. Garrett Cole has kind of become my new Jacob DeGrom, a bit of a throwback to our DeGrom days when he was with the Mets in like 2018-19 range. He was amazing. Mets couldn't hit. They were cashing first five unders like mad. Garrett Cole, a 3-6-0 expected ERA, pretty solid there. He's been on fire since the break. Three earned runs, seven hits, and 21 strikeouts over his last two starts. I think he's obviously got a tough matchup against this Orioles lineup, but he's able to handle them when he's pitching well, and he is controlling that fastball really well right now. Really like seeing the way that it's moving across the zone. So I think he's able to shut them down here, and I know the numbers overall for Rodriguez have been great but you said it the Yankees lineup just is not producing anything right now and Rodriguez has obviously shown flashes of why he was such a highly touted prospect and I think this one will probably stay under in the first five as well for the Baltimore Orioles having Yunir Cano along with Felix Bautista that's the best one-two bunch in all baseball in the bullpen in my opinion the Yankees they're the only team in the big leagues right now with a sub three five bullpen ERA so that I think is impactful as well and This is a start where you've got a pair of pitchers that overall the last few years have been dominant, but they come in in bad form. Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. Christian Javier is on the bump for the Astros with the Rays. They're about a minus 115 favorite between minus 105 and plus 105 on the Astros and a total of eight and a half. What do you make out of this ordeal? Because with the Rays, they have really been scuffling recently and for Christian Javier, he just looks like a broken pitcher at this point. Yeah, I was really high on Javier coming into the year. I have a futures ticket on him to lead the major leagues in strikeouts, I think. He was just so dominant when he got his opportunities to start last year, and he just does not look like the same pitcher right now. A 4.47 expected ERA, 4.57 expected slugging percentage. This is a guy who was holding hitters to like a 180 batting average last year and striking out almost 30% of the batters he faced, and now it's a completely different guy. And while the Rays, obviously, they've scuffled, the lineup is not producing the way it was in the first half of the season, but overall still ranks 12th in batting average and 7th in OPS when facing right-handed pitching. And McClanahan, like you said, he's seen that ERA bump up the last few weeks. Also, now his expected ERA is almost 4 He obviously looks a little rusty since returning from his injury there, and he's given up uh, seven earned runs 
over his last 10 innings. Maybe he's not quite there yet. I could see this one going over, going up against a Houston team that ranks ninth in batting average and 10th in OPS when facing left-handed pitching. They're obviously playing better as a whole team. And when you mix in a Tampa Bay bullpen that surprisingly ranks 24th in expected FIP, I think the total over eight and a half is something to look at here. Yeah, that total I do think is going to be a fascination because with the Tampa Bay Rays, they've had a rough time of generating runs ever since the All-Star break, but Chris Javier has had a rough time getting outs in his last five starts as well, so something's got to give. As Andrew Cayley, he does amazing work over at Covers. He is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, and Andrew, we do have a few TBD starters, so as we do this podcast, there's like three or four games that are off the board, but we've got all 30 teams in action. Is there a game or two that we haven't touched upon that you're really going to be diving in on, whether that's going to be a bet that you're going to be placing, one that maybe you've already taken a shot on, or maybe it's a game that you're not going to bet all together, but you just want to gauge how the team does because they might be buyers or sellers at the deadline. One game I'm going to look at is this Texas versus San Diego game. Dane Dunning versus Joe Musgrove. I'd like a little bit better price on Musgrove here. He looks like the guy who was an all-star from a season ago. I find the Padres so fascinating because they just came to Toronto recently, and I watched them trot out Musgrove and Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell all in a row, and I'm like, how is this team five games below 500 when they can do that over and over again? Not to mention all the names that are in, in that lineup there. Interesting to see if they can start something there with Musgrove. Don't hate them on the money line here because I think Dane Dunning's getting a little overvalued at the moment. He's pitched well, no denying there, but his expected ERA is a little higher than his actual ERA. He's one of these guys who I'm waiting for the regression to happen. Hasn't quite happened yet, so I'll be keeping my eye on that one, but I've got to lean towards San Diego in that game. I've actually got a little bit of a lean towards the over as well because I'm seeing exactly what you are with Dane Dunning with the regression coming in. I feel like it started in that start against the LA Dodgers. That was a game where the Dodgers put up 16 runs against the Texas Rangers. (laughs) So we are seeing the same thing. Dunning fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings as far this season. So I'm in agreement there. And Andrew, I know you do amazing work over at covers covering a little bit of everything. So Love the good people at home. You know what's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's going to be called <laughs> from now on and threads at covers underscore Kaylee. You'll find my bat flipping pics of the day there. I'm also posting player props almost daily, so we can have some fun with that. And coming up soon for me is I've got my SEC already up. I think the ACC is on tap next. Like I said last I was on the show, we're on a countdown to see how many conference previews I can get in before my wife gives birth for a little baby but also just can't wait for uh looking forward to uh, this college football season as well oh it is going to be a glorious college football season it is going to be a glorious back half of the baseball season and andrew does a great job of being able to cover it all and every single time he joins his podcast lends tremendous thoughts insights and bets so big thanks andrew for joining me on the baseball betting show now part of the, the visa family podcast coming up next it is that time the podcast i give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. 
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by Andrew Gailey. He does tremendous work over at Covers, covering a little bit of everything. Golf, football, baseball, basketball, you name it, he does it every single time he joins this podcast. One tremendous insights in. I know he's doing a great job keeping it all locked in with regards to those teams out there in the lovely city of Toronto. So, big thanks to him for joining me in last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice and clean and easy. So, let's get things started with 951, 952 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. As Mitch Keller goes for the Buccos and Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for the Phillies. For the Phillies, seeing them as high as a minus 155, this is... Drop to as low as a minus 148, anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140, your number on Pittsburgh. In FZ total, the under is minus 115, the over is minus 105. If we can get this to drop down by another cent or two, I'm going to be willing to dive in on the Phillies. I did set them at a minus 148, so the minus 148 exactly is my absolute lowest of low buy points here. I'd like to see it get down, like I said, a little bit lower, but... At a minus 148, and it's pretty much the max I'm willing to go on the Philadelphia Phillies. For Zach Wheeler, he's actually had a better road ERA than he's had a home ERA throughout his career. It's typically been a little bit of reversal, but Zach Wheeler comes in in relatively solid form. He has given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. Going into the All-Star break, was having a little bit of a rough go of it, but all in all, Zach giving up three runs or fewer in six out of his last eight starts. He's had a little bit of a problem with the deep ball, giving up four home runs over the course of his last four games, but I take a look at Zach Wheeler, and 
He's been a little bit of a snake-bitten pitcher thus far this season. In his last start, he gives up one run in seven innings against the Cleveland Guardians who takes the loss. I mean, that's just rough. He's at a 388 ERA, but a fielding independent, a full point lower at 288, giving up a little bit less than 0.85 home runs per nine innings, getting a little bit over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. So he has been good. And for Mitch Keller, he's a better home pitcher than he is a road pitcher. 361 home ERA, 433 ERA on the road. He's been rock solid this year, giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings, but he's been able to cut down on those walks. Giving up a right around 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate just below 10. So he's done his part for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bullpen has been about league average over the last three days. We've seen Colin Olderman have a little bit of a tough time of it recently. But likes of Jose Hernandez, Yuri De Los Santos, Carmen Baldazinski, David Benar, they've been able to give you a sub 3-5 ERA. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, this has been one of the better bullpens in the National League. Craig Kimbrell. Has had a few issues the last week or two, but all in all, over the last, we're going to call it 75 days, he's been one of the better arms in the big leagues. Overall, for the season, the Phillies are 11th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, but top five over the last three days. Jeff Poffman has been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. You get Sir Anthony Dominguez back in the fold as well. The biggest thing for the Phillies is finding power outside of Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber enters into the series with 26 home runs. Needs to up that batting average of buck eighty-two, but... Pass that, you've got guys that get on base, but not necessarily power bats. Alec Baum, Nick Cassianos, Brandon Marsh, all inning in that neighborhood about a 280. And Bryce Harper, he's hit just five home runs this year, but it's been able to give you a 386 on base. You tell that this is a bunch that they could use Reese Hoskins right about now, who's out for the season. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're averaging a little bit over 3.6 runs per contest since the beginning of the month of May. Worst mark in the National League. Fewest home runs of any team in the National League in that time span, as well as Jack Swinitsky is the only guy on this team has been able to give you north of 12 home runs, 21 home runs. So they have sort of the same issue with the Phillies. As the Phillies, after Kyle Schwarber, don't have anyone that gives you north of 14 home runs with Nick Cassianos being there. And then in the Pirates case, you've got Brian Reynolds, Carlos Santana, Andrew McCutcheon, all between 10 and 12 home runs with Reynolds over the last 40 days, sitting right around 200. Andrew McCutcheon's been able to give you about a 380 on base, but... Had a lot of struggles at the plate for guys like Topeka Americano, Connor Joe, Carlos Santana, all in that fold of about a 2.35. So I do think that for the Philadelphia Phillies, they should be able to get the job done. Don't want to take a look at the run line because I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. Both of these teams do have issues with power bats outside of their main guys. So this is a spot where I did set my toll at an 8.1, looking at the under. And with the Phillies, wanted to lay up to a minus 148 and not a cent more. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets. They play also Washington Nationals. Mackenzie Gore goes for the Nats, and Mad Max Scherzer is on the bump for the Mets. Mets are between minus 175 to minus 185. Favorites between plus 155 and plus 168. Your number on Washington, 8.5 is the total over is minus 115. Under is minus 105. If you're looking at the run line of the Mets, find that between about a plus 110 to a plus 115. Pretty much anything a plus money. I was willing to take a shot on the Mets, set it at a plus 102. So being able to get that plus 110, if I can get a plus 115, all the better. But willing to dive in there because Max Scherzer has been able to do his best work at home and it's not even close. Now granted, he's had fewer starts at home than he's had on the road, but 236 home ERA at home. He has given up just three home runs in 34 and a third innings on the road. 19 home runs in 66 and a third innings with a 516 ERA. It has been completely night and day. And 
where Max Scherzer against his old team. He's only faced him once so far this season. Gave up one run over the course of five innings, so he was able to do a solid job there. Now with Max Scherzer, if you're looking for a live betting angle, first two times that he faces a team through the order, opponent's batting average right around about a 213 in terms of a home runs per at-bat basis. He's giving up a home run every about 24 or so at-bats. Third time through, he's giving up a home run every 10 at-bats with opponents hitting a 322 off of him. So he's really good the first two times through a lineup. And then that third time through is when teams are really able to get to him. But the good news for Max Scherzer, who's had a problem giving up the deep ball, he is going up against a lineup that they have not been able to hit the deep ball season long. For the Washington Nationals, bottom five of the big leagues in terms of home runs per game, Lane Thomas, Jameer, Candelario, both have 16 home runs. C.J. Abrams is now up to 10 home runs. And, I mean, this Washington Nationals team has been good at being able to get on base. They do have the likes of Riley Adams, Lane Thomas, both hitting above a 290. Joey Manessis has been able to 280. They're solid against lefties. They're solid against righties in terms of batting average. Just that lack of power leads them stranding so many men on base, and they really don't take their base as well. The Nationals are right there at the top of the big leagues in terms of few strikeouts per at-bat, but they're also a team that doesn't walk a lot. And then for the New York Mets, they draw quite a few walks, but they've had a little bit of a tough time just in terms of overall batting average. This team has really been relying upon the deep ball with the two Francisco's, Francisco Alvarez, Francisco Lindor, both being able to give you 19 home runs, both of these guys, Hitting in that pocket of about a 230 to a 235. To the credit of the Mets as well, not a team that strikes out a ton. They've just been really putting the ball where the opponents are. Last year, they were very fortunate on a lot of those balls that were like infield singles, what have you. Complete opposite this season. Tommy Pham has been able to give you about a 350 on base. Brandon Nimmo more like a 355. And for Brandon Nimmo, 15 home runs. And Pete Alonzo, 28 bombs. But for Pete Alonzo, over the last three days, it's been Rough for him to be able to get on base, hitting just a buck ninety-five, and with the Mets always have to have trepidation with this bullpen. They're now looking at Eliezer Hernandez to be able to them something in the bullpen as Brooks Riley, David Robertson. These guys have been the constants in the bullpen, sub two six ERA with both of those guys. And Grant Hardwick hasn't been terrible, but Adam Avino has been giving you about a three fifty ERA. Dominic Leon has not been very good. Drew Smith has went down the toilet bowl, but at the very least, they're not the Washington Nationals. We have a bullpen ERA of about seven over the last three days. They are trotting out there so many different guys. They send you on a don up to the big league level and then set them down when they realize this guy still sucks. Andres Machado is giving you an eight ERA. Joe Lasorsa is giving you a nine ERA. I mean, it's not been good whatsoever for the Washington Nationals and for Mackenzie Gore. Just feels like he's been very shaky. As you take a look at his last five starts, he has given up one run in five innings. He only went one in a third innings, but gave up zero runs in that start against the Reds. Gave up seven runs in two and two-thirds innings against the Phillies. Gives up five against the Cubs, and then he goes five scoreless against the San Francisco Giants. He has been all over the place. Gore is able to do a good job of being able to get strikeouts. He is getting north of 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but the walks being right around about 3.8 walks per nine innings. But I do think that Mackenzie Gore going to be able to round into form just a little bit more in this spot. And I do think that Max Scherzer's continued dominance at home is going to be continuing. I did tell my total at 8.3, even with these shaky bullpens banking on Gore and Scherzer being able to give good starts. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but with the bets, being able to get plus money on that run line, diving in there. 9.55, 9.56 on the bang board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They hit the road. They're facing up against the Atlanta Braves. Yoni Chorinos is going to be making his debut with the Atlanta Braves. And you've got Adrian Don't Call him Doogie Houser on the pump for the Brewers. 
10 is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. With the crew, you're getting them anywhere between plus 155 to a plus 162. And between minus 168 to minus 190 is your number on the Braves with the Braves. I did set them on the money line at a minus 197. And you're able to get a plus number on that run line. I was willing to go up to a minus 108. Right now, find that run line. As bad as even money, as good as a plus 108. With Yoni Chirinos, this is not a strikeout artist by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, neither is Adrian Hauser. I look at both of these guys, and I think that both are doing for a little bit of regression. Yoni Chirinos is making his first appearance with the Atlanta Braves after he began his career with the Tampa Bay Race. Four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Lowest of anyone that has pitched at least 30 innings this far this season. Only gives up about 2.9 walks per nine innings. 4.02 ERA compared to a 5.52 fielding independent. That is a little bit of an issue. And at Truist Park, some of the balls that would have not won out at Tropicana Field, they are going to be going out here. But for Adrian Hauser, 386 ERA, 422 fielding independent. He only gets right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, giving up only three walks per nine innings. I say only because last few seasons, he was giving up more like four walks per nine innings. So he actually has been able to do a quite a bit of a better job on that front. He's giving up about one home run per nine innings, but I still do think that we might be seeing a few hiccups that are going to be going on. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, credit where credit is due. The bullpen has been significantly better recently. They go up against an Atlanta Braves team that they are number one. The Braves are, in terms of bullpen ERA in the National Leagues, Ben Heller has been very good for this bunch. Michael Tonkin has been able to give you some 3-3 ERA, but able to get a lot of production out of some like Kirby Yates as well. But for the Brewers, Number three in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days. That compares well with the Atlanta Braves, who are number four in this time span, as well as Elvis Piguero, Joe Piams. They've been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Hobie Milner has been very good recently. And then you get the ball to Devin Williams, who's been able to lock it down. Flip side for the Atlanta Braves. You've got Rossi Iglesias, who, coming off the injured list, had a little bit of a rough go of it getting back, but has now been very dominant for the team. But for the Atlanta Braves, they lead the National League in batting average, on-base percentage, Runs and home runs is just absolutely insane. Seven different guys giving you at least 15 home runs as far this season. Matt Olson has been able to go deep 32 times. These are just not comparable offenses. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they're a top 12 team in terms of home runs per game at home. On the road, they're a bottom five team in terms of home runs per game. They do have four separate guys that have been able to give you at least 12 home runs as far this season. Rowdy Telez, who's been dealing with injury. Well, Adamas, Christian Yelich, Joy Weimer, but you know, out of all these guys, the only guy giving you north of a 291 on base is Christian Yelich. And you do have Owen Miller who's been able to move line, but for the Atlanta Braves, you've got just all sorts of guys that they do a better job of being able to get on base. So, I mean, while the Atlanta Braves, they very much do rely upon the deep ball with each other top four home run hitters hitting at least 22 home runs while the Brewers don't have a single one, they also do a much better job with some like Ronald Lacuna Jr. giving you up 400 on base. Sean Murphy, 380 on base. You've been able to have even someone like a Austin Riley give you a 330 on base who has been white hot recently as well. So I just think that that offense of the Atlanta Braves absolutely going to eat up the Milwaukee Brewers in this ordeal. With the improved bullpen pitching on both sides, it's a total at a 9.6. So you're at a 10, going to be looking at the under with the Braves. And even money or better, going to be taking a look at their run line. 957, 958 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs, they're on the road. They're facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. It is Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the cards. And as of right now, it is to be determined who is going to be going for the Cubs. So this is a game that is off the board. We are expecting it to be Drew Smiley in some form or capacity. It's whether or not they're going to be utilizing an opener for him or not. And 
opener or not, I don't think it makes too much of a difference in this spot. I did set the Cardinals minus 167 on the money line, uh, plus 118 or higher, willing to lay a run and a half with the Cardinals. And I did set my total at an 8.8, where an 8.5 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, a 9 or higher to the under in a season of disappointment for the St. Louis Cardinals. Jordan Montgomery has one, been one of the main constants for this team. Did get lit up in his last start against the Cubs, gave up seven runs, five of which were earned, but prior to that, he had given up one earned run or fewer in each out of his last five starts, and in seven out of his last eight, I do think that he is going to be able to rebound. He's given up three runs or fewer in 10 out of his last 11 starts. I do recognize that the Cubs do have his number a little bit this season, as he's given up 13 runs, 11 of which earned in his 11 innings against the Cubs across two starts this far this season, but all in all, to be able to do a rock solid job has been pretty much equal home to road. 339 home ERA, 334 ERA on the road, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, giving up less than two and a half walks per nine innings. Only gets about eight strikeouts per nine innings, but all in all, has been able to do a solid job. And assuming that we do get Drew Smiley in some form or capacity, it's not been a good year for him. 469 ERA has actually been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. 352 road ERA compared to north of a 57 ERA at home. And on the road, he is still giving up quite a few deep balls. He is still giving up about one and a half home runs per nine innings, but at home, that's been more like 1.7 home runs per nine innings as well. And Smiley, as you can imagine, not too much of a strikeout guy as well. He is getting fewer than seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. What the Cubs do, though, is they do a nice job of being able to move line. Entering into the day on Thursday, 10th of the league in terms of runs per game, ninth in terms of on-base percentage. And Cody Bellinger, how hot is this guy? Going into yesterday, in the last 30 days, he had been able to slug out eight home runs overall in the last 30 days, but six home runs in the last 15 days, hitting a 412 in the last 30 days. So he has been hot, hot, hot for a Cubs team that you've got quite a few guys that they're able to get on base. See Suzuki, Christopher Morrell, Dansby Swanson, Jan Gomes, Miguel Amaya, all these guys sitting between about a 259 to a 272 with Christopher Morrell, Cody Bellinger, along with Patrick Wisdom, all between 15 and 17 home runs. Pass that, you don't necessarily have a lot of power. Dansby Swanson has thrown in there 12 home runs, but even with Ian App only hitting about a 250, but on base percentage has been solved with him as well. Nico Horner has been able to about a 280 as well. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, they do a significantly better job with their offense at home rather than on the road. They're averaging about 4.2 runs per game on the road, more like 5.4 runs per game at home. And for the Cardinals, they are a team that they very much do rely upon the deep ball. So going up against Drew Smiley, that should be able to bode well for them. Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado both enter into the series with a combined 44 home runs. Gorman, prior to the All-Star break, was on a little bit of a cold streak. He's been able to warm up ever since then. And then got the likes of Brandon Donovan, Paul Goldschmidt, in that fold of about 285 to a 290, giving you about a 370 on base with Goldschmidt being able to supply 18 home runs. The big question mark in this game is going to be the bullpens. The Cubs' bullpen is starting to regress a little bit over the last three days. They've been right around league average. And for the Cardinals, you've got one reliever that is an ERA that is better than 3-6 because they don't consider Dakota Hudson to be a reliever. So that's been a big, giant issue. You've got the likes of Jojo Romero, Giovanni Gallegos, Andre Pallante, along with Jordan Hicks that all have an ERA between about a 3.67 to about a 4.5. You don't necessarily have that one massive gas can out there, but for the Cardinals, they're in the bottom nine in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, for the Cubs, been a little bit up and down for the likes of Michael Fulmer along Julian Merriweather throughout the season, but 
They've been able to improve. Javier Assad has been able to give you some good innings along with Edward Alcelay. I do like what they're getting out of the young guy, Daniel Palencia. I think that he can be a nice arm for the team moving forward as well. But considering that we should be getting Montgomery against Smiley in some form or capacity, set the Cardinals to wear a minus 166 or less. Willing to take a look at the money line, plus 168 or higher. Looking at the Cubs. Eight and a half or less looking at the over nine or higher to the under. 959-960 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. And yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're onto the road. They're facing off against the LA Dodgers as Brandon Williamson goes for the Reds. And Bobby Miller is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They're the favorites in this buy. You're getting them anywhere between minus 225 to minus 250. And between plus 195 and plus 208. Your number on Cincinnati. Total on this game, you're getting it at a 9.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the run line, line between a minus 110 to a minus 115 on the LA Dodgers. And at anything north of a plus 205, I am willing to dive in on the Cincinnati Reds. When it comes to the run line, by the way, I was willing to go up to a minus 115 with the LA Dodgers. So one way or another, we're either going to be looking at the run line of the Dodgers because I just don't want to lay this sort of a money line because the Dodgers typically win their games by two runs or the Reds money line. And I'm inclined to go with a north of plus 205 on the Reds on the money line just because with the Dodgers, even though over the last three days, they've been number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. I do have my trepidations with Bobby Miller. Now, Bobby Miller has actually gotten quite unlucky in his last few starts. You take a look at the fielding independent compared to the ERA. It just doesn't match up. But after a very good first, I think it was about four or so starts where he was darn near unhittable, gave up like one run in that time span. He has been getting destroyed, giving up three plus runs in four out of his last five starts. Now the team is still four and one in those last few starts. Fielding independence at 363 compared to a 428 ERA. And for Bobby Miller, he's still giving up less than a home run per nine innings. He's still getting right around about eight and a half punch outs per nine innings. But certainly the contact, it is getting harder and harder. And for Brandon Williamson, yeah, he has not necessarily been the world's greatest pitcher for this bunch. But at the same time, you can tell that he's improving as the season has won along. And he has the unenviable task of having to pitch at Great American Ballpark. That is one of the biggest bandbox ballparks that you're going to find in the big leagues. And for Williamson, he has given up now three runs or fewer in five out of his last six starts. Granted, there's been a lot of starts where it's not lent a lot of length. And he's even able to go a little bit further, two runs or fewer in each out of his last four. Once again, has went five innings or fewer in two of those. But all in all, he seems to be improving. The fielding independent is still a 516 compared to a 460 ERA. He is certainly not lighting the world on fire. But at the same time, for the Cincinnati Red team, they're actually putting up more runs when they're on the road rather than when they're at home, which absolutely blows my mind because, once again, they play at a great American ballpark. That's a top five hitters ballpark they're going to find in the big leagues. But part of it is that the Reds, they just don't have a lot of power. They just go death by a million cuts. Jonathan India, Jake Fraley, Spencer Sear, they right now lead the team in home runs. They all have 14 home runs apiece. Steer has been able to give you a 360 on base. Fraley more like a 350 on base than Jonathan India. Only about a 335-ish, but you've got so many guys that are able to move the line. Ellie De La Cruz got a day off last Saturday, and ever since then, he has been back to his old form. You've been able to get some good at-bats out of TJ Friedel. He's been able to give you about a 355 on base. Matt McLean, he's up to a double-figure amount of homers. He's hitting a 300 and for the Reds. The bullpen has been competent. They're right around 14th and 15th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. You haven't necessarily had the guys outside of Alexis. He has like the world on fire, but guys like... Dan Duarte, Ian Gabo, Alex Young, Lucas Sims, they're all giving you 
right around about a 3 to a 3.5 ERA. And for the LA Dodgers, credit where credit is due. After the bullpen was a mess to begin the season, and you still have a few guys that you don't trust in. Yancey Almonte, Alex Vesia, Phil Bickford, these are guys that are posting up north of a 4-4 ERA, but you've had good innings out of the likes of Evan Phillips, Bruce Sarder, Greiterall, all season long, along Caleb Ferguson, all have a sub-260 ERA, and Ryan Brazier since coming over from the Boston Red Sox, got DFA'd by the Red Sox, he's had a sub-2 ERA as well, so that has been helpful for the Dodgers. You know that this team is going to be putting up runs. At this point, you've got four separate guys that have been able to supply at least 20 home runs as far as the season, and three guys, J.D. Martinez, Max Muncie, Mookie Betts, all with at least 25 home runs. The Dodgers don't necessarily have for the world's greatest average. They're a pretty league average team with that regard, but they also do a nice job moving the line with regards to walks. They in the San Diego Padres 1-2 and two in terms of walks drawn on a per at-bat basis. You've got great depth with this lineup. Will Smith about a 390 on base, even though someone like uh, David Peralta doesn't necessarily get a ton of at-bats. He's been able to do an amazing job in the at-bats that he has been able to get, hitting for about a 275. He's been able to get a little bit warmer recently. Chris Taylor, 12 home runs. Not necessarily hitting for the world's greatest average, but feels like every time he's up in a big spot, he always delivers. So that's been something to take a look at. But Williamson has been a little bit improved as a pitcher. Bobby Miller feels like he's a little bit on the decline. And if you're able to get north of a plus 205, like I'm starting to see with the Reds, I'm going to be willing to take a shot there. Did semi toll at a 9.7 as well. I do think that the Reds get to Bobby Miller. And I do think that there is going to be some regression coming for our good friend of Brandon Williamson. The three runs are fear that he's given up in his last five starts. Not sustainable. So looking at the 9.5 over, anything above a plus 205 with the Reds. 961-962 is going to be the DK Network write-up pick. You've got the New York Yankees on the road going up against the Baltimore Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez goes for the Orioles, and Garrett Cole is on the bump for the Yankees, and the Yankees are between minus 115 and minus 125 favorites. Anywhere between plus 105 to plus 110, your number on Baltimore. Eight and a half is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. When it comes to the money line in this spot, I did set the Yankees at a minus 128, so I'm going to be one to buy in there. My network pick and write-up is going to be on the total, though. I'm going to be diving in on the under. Now, for Grayson Rodriguez, it has been... A rough start to his career. He's got north of a 6 ERA, but if you take a look at the numbers, he has been quite unlucky. 691 ERA overall for the season. Fielding independent, though, more around a 528. He's done a good job of being able to get strikeouts. 10.6 strikeouts per nine innings. Needs to be able to hit his target a little bit more. He's giving up about 2.1 home runs per nine innings, right around four walks per nine innings. But since he resurfaced at the big league level, he's looked a little bit better. He's made two starts ever since then. He gave up two runs in his last start, and he gave up four runs the previous time out. But that was also a start against the L.A. Dodgers. I am willing to forgive a rough start against the L.A. Dodgers, and now he gets a little bit more of a cream puff offense in the New York Yankees. And reason why they are called a cream puff offense is because ever since Aaron Judge went out of the fold, first game without him was June 4th. That was, against, ironically enough, the LA Dodgers. They are averaging 3.88 runs per game with a 220 batting average in that time span. The batting average, dead last among all MLB teams. The 3.88 runs per game, 27th in the league in that time span. You just have not been able to get anything whatsoever out of most of these bats as you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Glaber Torres. Torres, credit where credit is due. He's hitting about a 265. He's been able to supply 16 home runs, but Anthony Brizzo has one home run since like the middle of May. 
Yeah, it's just completely fallen off the face of planet Earth. You've been able to get a little bit of thumping power out of Anthony Volpe, John Carlos Sand. They both have been able to supply 13 home runs, but both of these guys, along with the Oswaldos, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Peraz, Franchi Cordero, these are all guys that are hitting a 215 or lower. It has been deplorable the way that the Yankees have been able to move the line. And then you've got a Baltimore Orioles team that may have been significantly better with their offense when they've been on the road rather than at home. They're averaging a little bit over 5.3 runs per game when they're on the road, more like 4.43, 4.44 runs per game at home. And for the Orioles, they're a pretty league average team when it comes to batting average, hitting right around 250. I mean, they're a little bit above average with regards to their power, but it's not like they've got a super-duper amount of power. Gunnar Anderson, Adley Rushman, along with Anthony Santander, all between 14 and 16 home runs. You've been able to have all these guys, really aside from Rushman, be able to give you north of a 330 on base. And the reason why I exclude Rushman is that he really leads the team with a 370 on base. And then Ryan Mountcastle, he's back in fold. He's been able to give you 12 home runs as far this season. Not really a guy that does a great job of being able to move the line along. Ore Mateo. You need Ore Mateo to be able to pick it up. He's only hitting about a 210 this season. But Ryan O'Hearn, he's hitting about a 310. And I've noticed the Orioles have been using a lot of platooning splits as well. They're sort of doing a little bit of what we've seen with the San Francisco Giants where they've got a bit of a different lineup righties to lefties. But I do think that Garrett Cole, he's going to be able to still do a very solid job despite those splits, and he's going to be able to deliver his best start as he has been at his best on the road. Overall for the season, Garrett Cole, 270 ADRA, giving up 0.9 home runs per nine innings. This falls to more like 0.6 home runs per nine innings surrender when he is on the road, with his road ERA being right around about a 258. He has been very dominant with that regard for Garrett Cole. He comes in having allowed two runs or fewer in 16 out of his 21 starts as far this season. Three runs or fewer in nine straight as well. And both of these bullpens have been able to do a rock solid job. For the Orioles, it is a little bit of a top-heavy bullpen, but without playing yesterday, Felix Batista, Yanir Cano, a pair of guys have been able to give you a sub-two ERA. They've been able to do a tremendous job. And then you've got Danny Columb, who's been able to give you a sub-three ERA. Past that, you need a little bit more odd likes of Mike Bauman, CML Perez and company. But all in all, it's an Orioles team that ranks in the top seven in terms of bullpen ERA. The Yankees are the only team with a sub-3-5 bullpen ERA. By the way, they're hovering right around about a 322 with having a lot of guys have been able to step up all season long. Clay Holmes is looking like the Clay Holmes that was an all-star last season. Wandy Peralta, Ian Hamilton. These are all guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. Tommy Canely has been solid. Nick Ramirez even has been able to give you a few solid innings. So it is an ordeal where I do think that the pitching of the Yankees is going to be able to carry them to victory. The offense certainly has been deplorable, but I think the Garrett Coles on the uh, Orioles, and I do think that Grayson Rodriguez gets online against the Yankees as well. So my DK Network right to pick is on the under semi total some point and with the Yankees, one to lay up to a minus one twenty seven on that money line. Nine sixty three, nine sixty four on the betting board. The LA Angels and throw other facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman goes for the Jays and Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the Angels. And for the Angels, they're finding their money line anywhere between a plus one seventy five to a plus one eighty. Anywhere between minus 192 to minus 210. Your number on Toronto. Total on this game is 8.5. The overs between minus 110 to minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 110. And if you're looking at that run line of the Jays, you're finding that anywhere between even money and plus 105. And I was willing to lay up to a minus 105 with regards to this run line. Do keep in mind that with Lucas Giolito, he's actually on normal rest in this spot. He was supposed to go on Friday for the Chicago White Sox. He's just pitching in a different uniform in a different city. So he's actually not really thrown off with regards to that rhythm. I'm sure that he's going through a whirlwind of things. But the reason why I can't buy in on the Angels in this ordeal is because, for one, 
even though Shohei Otani did a great job of being able to help out the bullpen, not be overly used for Lucas Giolito. He's had his struggles all season long on the road. 525 road area compared to a 244 home area. And on the road this season, Lucas Giolito is giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. Not necessarily something that you want to see. He has actually made one start against the Jays as far this season. Gave up two runs over the course of six innings. So not bad numbers there. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they're averaging about a half a run fewer per game when they're at home rather than on the road. But does feel like they're starting to find a little bit of something. George Springer, Matt Chapman, both of these guys have been able to supply 13 home runs as far this season. I know that Springer was dealing with a little bit of ailment towards back half of last week, but should be good to go in this one. Was good to go in the back half of that Dodgers series. Boba Shett, he continues it for about a 315 with 17 home runs. Flag Guerrero Jr. Batting average has fallen ever since the All-Star break. The home run power, that has gone up, though. He's up to 17 home runs thus far this season. Then Whit Merrifield is hitting darn near 300. You've got Brandon Belt moving line, hitting for about a 365 in terms of his on base. And I've been continuing to say it for the LA Angels. Somehow, some way, they have scored at least four runs in all but two of their games since Mike Trout went down with injury on July 3rd. Part of this is because Joey Otani is just a man that is not from this earth or something like that. 38 home runs. He has been absolutely remarkable. And he pitched a complete game yesterday. So he's worth the money. So there is that. But on top of that, you've got Hunter Renfro who's been able to give you 16 home runs. Taylor Ward is starting to be able to step up. He's got about a 333 on base. 14 home runs as he had a nice double dip against the Detroit Tigers as well. On and off for Taylor Ward over the last three days. He's been able to give you north of a 340 on base. You've been able to have Zach Neto move the line. Matt Theus about a 355 on base. And Mickey Moniak hitting well above a 300 with a home run every about 15 or so at bats. But very concerned about this LA Angels bullpen. They're bottom six team in terms of bullpen array. Over the last 30 days, that has been less than terrific. But I do think that it's going to be going northward a little bit. Because now they've got Matt Moore back in the fold. Matt Moore, Carlos Aceves, both providing a sub-250 ERA. Ronaldo Lopez is not an upgrade for this bullpen. He's been providing north of four ERA. Now, to the credit of Ronaldo Lopez after a really brutal start to the season. He's actually given up no runs over the last 30 days. That's only nine total innings. But he's been looking a little bit better recently. But you do have the likes of Gerardo Reyes and company that have not been great. They were utilizing Chris Savinsky. He's currently no longer with the big league team. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, this team actually does rank in the top 10 of the big leagues in terms of bullpen array. They're kicking the Tigers on Genesis Cabrera from the Cardinals, but you've got the likes of Tim Meza, Eric Swanson, Jay Jackson, along with the uh, closer and Jordan Romano. They've all been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. And I do think that Kevin Gosman, who right now leads all qualifying pitchers in fielding independent. His fielding independent is more than a half a point lower than his 318 ERA. He's been doing a solid job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up about 0.9 home runs per nine innings, north of 11.5 punch outs per nine innings. He's going to be at his best, as for Kevin Gosman. 258 home area compared to a 375 area on the road. I certainly do think that Gosman gives the Blue Jays a good chance to be able to cover this run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus one of five, so getting even money slash a plus price there. Going to be taking a look at the run line of the Blue Jays, and I think that Gosman holds them down. And overall, it's been a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Toronto this year as well. Set my total at an 8.1, looking at the under and looking at the Jays on the run line. 965, 966 on the betting board. They did not make my job easy on this one. The Cleveland Guardians are on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox. It is to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Chicago White Sox. It is to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Cleveland Guardians. This is a game that is completely off the board. This is a spot where right now we are seeing Tuki Toussaint as a starter for the Chicago White Sox. Xavion Curry is going to be getting the start 
for the Cleveland Guardians as well. I think that this could be a little bit of a piggyback spot as well. You could see a little bit of Jesse Schultens out there for the White Sox as well because this was supposed to be Lucas Giolito's turn through the rotation. And Doogie Toussaint honestly has not been terrible for the Chicago White Sox thus far. They have utilized him a little bit as a starter as he's went five plus innings in three out of his last four outings. And they throw him out of the bullpen on Wednesday. So you can't think that if he's going to be giving you a start that he is going to be going overly deep into this game. And Xavier Curry actually threw in relief for the Cleveland Guardians within the last 72 hours as well on Wednesday. So this is a good old something's got to give situation. But I mean, if you're giving me two guys that are already through a few days ago and this being a bullpen game, I'm going to go with the Guardians. They set them at a minus 113 on the money line thinking it would be sort of a Toussaint versus Schultz double dip against Curry and the poo-poo platter pitchers of the Cleveland Guardians. And somebody told her to wear an 8 and a half for less looking at the over 9 or higher to the under with the Guardians. They don't hit the deep ball whatsoever. They are dead last in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. But you've got Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, both giving you 15-plus home runs. Both of these guys have been rock solid at the plate. Naylor is hitting a 300. You've got Ramirez providing about a 362 on base. The big thing for this team is having the guys that were really able to move the line last year do so once again. They no longer have a mid-Rosario, so can't bake on him, but Will Brandon, Stephen Kwan, Andre Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, all last season, these were guys that were able to hit a 270 or better. Gonzalez has not even been with the big league team for much of the year. Meanwhile, the only guy hitting above 270 thus far this season has been Stephen Kwan, but they go up against the Chicago White Sox team that they do a very good job of being able to bail out opposing pitchers as they are dead last in the big leagues in terms of walks on a per-at-bat basis. You do have Jake Berger supplying 22 home runs, and Luis Roberts may will give you 28 home runs, but among players with at least 95 at-bats for the team, you've got one guy with north of a 330 on base entering into the series, Andrew Benatini, who's been able to hit about a 285 with Robert. He's been able to about a 270, and even though 330 on base, but he's hitting about a 286, 13 home runs. He's been able to do a relatively solid job there, but you just need a little bit more of the likes of the guys like Elvis Andrews, Gavin Sheets, Tim Anderson. These guys all have a sub-290 on base. And for the Chicago White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez was actually coming on for this bullpen, so now they're looking to Sammy Peralta for innings. I do like what I've been seeing out of the likes of Gregory Santos, Keenan Middleton, along with Kendall Graveman. But Middleton, he's now up to about a 380 ERA. Aaron Bummer has been terrible all season long. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, they're a top three team in terms of bullpen area. Recognize that they've had a few hiccups recently, but most of those have been due to same entities. Overall, this has been a bullpen that has been able to do a very rock-solid job as you got the likes of Anjo de Los Santos, Eli Morgan, throwing their, the closer in Emmanuel Class A, Trevor Steven, all being able to give you a sub-335 ERA. And I think that Curry is someone that should be given some starts for the Cleveland Guardians. Apparently, they're going to be throwing Noah Sor- Thor Syndergaard on Monday. I would rather go with Curry. He's actually been excellent, giving you about a 3 ERA. Not necessarily a guy that's going to get a lot of strikeouts, but I do take a look at this spot. It's probably going to be a lot of bullpen usage in this one. If you get like Curry versus Tucson, both being... Guys, that only give you a few innings. I did set the Guardians at a minus 113 on the money line, so one to lay up to a minus 112 there, plus 114 or higher looking at the White Sox, and eight and a half or less looking at the over nine or higher to the under 967, 968 on the main board. The Tampa Bay Rays, they hit the road. They're facing off against the Houston Astros. As one, Christian Avier is going to be going for the Astros, and you've got Shane McClanahan on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are between minus 110 to a minus 115 favorite. And between minus 105 to plus 104, your number on Houston, 8 to 8.5 is the total. On the 8, over is minus 115 to minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. On the 8.5, under is minus 115 to minus 120. The over, that is anywhere between even a minus 105. Though the Rays have been scuffling, I did make them the minus 136 favorite in this spot. You've got a pair of guys in Christian Avier. 
along with Shane McClanahan that came into the season as two of the prohibited Cy Young favorites and was Christian Javier, it's just went straight down the tubes for him. He has given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts, and the lone exception is when he faced off against the Oakland A's. So, that's not necessarily too great, and the team still lost that start against the Oakland A's. Meanwhile, they won the other four, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The Astros have just been white hot whenever Christian Javier has been out there on the bump, and for the Astros, they've actually scored the second most runs of any team in the American League ever since the beginning of the month of June, but I do think that that might dry up here against Shane McClanahan, who he's been dealing with a few ailments, did not necessarily look so great in that one start against the Seattle Mariners, and it's coming off of getting shelled against the Baltimore Orioles. Gave up five runs over the course of four innings, but start before that against the Texas Rangers. Gave up just two runs in six innings. A road start against the Rangers, being able to do that, that's pretty rock solid, and I do think that Shane McClanahan going to be able to return to form here. He's given up two runs or fewer in all but four of his starts this far this season. His walks rate is a little bit concerning. He has been giving up right around 3.7 walks per nine innings, but still has been able to supply right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Going up against the Houston Astros team that they are getting a little bit healthier. They still don't have Jose Altuve back to full, but now they are starting to get all these pieces back as Jordan Alvarez, he has made a few appearances in recent days. Got to think that it's going to take him a week or two to be able to get back in rhythm, but 17 home runs with an on-base percentage of right around a 395, and he's gotten those 17 home runs at about 205 at-bats, so that's going to be a big impact guy. Jose Altuve, he might be back in the fold for this series as well. I think that he made a little bit of an appearance in that Texas Rangers series as well. Kyle Tucker, he's been able to give you about a 390 on-base. He has really been the constant for the Astros all season long as he's been able to supply 18 home runs as well. And then you've got the likes of Mauricio Dubon, along Corey Jolks, and Yanir Diaz. They don't necessarily draw a lot of walks, but all these guys, they're in that neighborhood about a 255 to a 270. And in the case of Diaz, double-figure amount of homers out of him. And Jazz McCormick, also able to give you north of a 355 on base for the Rays. Overall this season, the offense has been solid. But ever since the All-Star break, they have been a bottom-five team in the big leagues in terms of run scored. I do think that things are going to progress for them. I do think that we are going to be able to see them get back to their old ways as you still have on this team eight different guys have provided at least 11 home runs. You've got 11 different guys with at least seven home runs. Jose series leading the way with 20 home runs. But, I mean, of the guys that have been able to provide at least 11 home runs, all but two of them are hitting at least a 255. All but three of them have been able to supply north of a 325 on base as well. You've got Isak Paredes, Randy Rosarena between about a 355 to a 365 on base. Combined 35 home runs between the two of them. Yandy Diaz has really been the only guy that has been hitting for the scene post-All-Star break. 14 bombs. He's been able to give you a 400 on base as well. But you also do have a pair of very solid bullpens in this one as well. For the Tampa Bay Rays, over the last three days, they've been a top-five team in terms of bullpen area. Jake Diekman has had a sub-three ERA since coming over from the Chicago White Sox. Colin Boucher, Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adam, these are guys that have been able to give you a sub-three, three ERA overall for the season. The Rays, number seven in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area overall for the season. Houston Astros have been one of your best bullpens as well. That number really did a nosedive with their appearance against the Texas Rangers on Wednesday. They're currently 14th in the big leagues, but you still have the likes of Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, Phil Maton, Hector Daris, all being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. They were number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA last season. I do think that they're going to be able to bounce back a little bit. And I do think that for Christian Javier, he's going to be able to get things figured out. I think that Shane McClanahan is as well. I am banking on and under with these two guys being able to figure things out against a pair of offenses that have been a little bit hit or miss. We're starting to see this total go to eight as well. And 
at an 8. That's just a little bit too low. Set my total at an 8.2. So now getting 8s because this opened up at an 8.5. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And personally, I would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, want to go up to a minus 135 on that money line. So look and raise and looking at the 8 over. 969-970 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals, they're going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins. Sonny Gray goes for the Twins and Brady Singer. Hopes to have the Twins singing the blues for Kansas City with the Twins there between minus 152 to minus 170 favorites. Any between plus 140 and plus 150, your number on Kansas City. Nine and a half is the total. The under is minus 120 to minus 115. The over is any between minus 105 to a minus 110. And in this spot, I did set the Twins at a minus 173 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, find that between even money and minus 105. was willing to go up to a minus 112. So I'm going to be willing to dive in on this Twins run line with the Minnesota Twins. It has been trial and tribulation with Sonny Gray, to say the least, as he has given up north of three-plus runs in two out of his last three starts, but overall for the season, he's made 20 starts. He has allowed three runs or fewer in all but two of them, and he gets the gift of going up against the Kansas City Royals. The Kansas City Royals are right now dead last in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage. They just have not been able to get any offense generated, and for Sonny Gray, he's done a great job of keeping the ball in the yard all season long. Between home and road starts, three home runs allowed in 111 and a third innings on the road. One bomb allowed in 48 and a third inning, so he has been remarkable with that regard. He's only getting about nine strikeouts per nine innings. We've seen that number dip a little bit recently, and his recent last four starts has a 494 ERA, but I think that this is a very good bounce-back opportunity for him. Big thing for him is keeping the walks down, typically when Gray has gotten into trouble. It's been due to the fact that he's given up like three-plus walks in those starts. And for Brady Singer, he was incredibly unlucky at the beginning part of the season. Now, Brady Singer is not looking like the Brady Singer that he was last season because last season, the reason why Brady Singer was able to have all the success that he did was that he was able to drop his walks per nine rate down to about 2.1. It's back up to three this season, but and he's got a 5.55 ERA compared to a 4.20 fielding independent, and we're starting to see positive results from him. He has given up two runs or fewer in three out of his last five starts for Brady Singer. He's given up only about one home run per nine innings. He's not giving up a lot of hard contact in general. Just been a case where he's been a little bit unlucky on the balls of play. Opponents have a batting average on balls in play of a 334. Part of this is because the Royals' defense is terrible. The Royals' offense is terrible. People need to be fired in player management because there's a lot of young prospects that have just not developed for this team. You do have, with regards to the offense of the Royals, two guys that's off their Paris, Bobby Wood Jr. They've been able to combine for 33 home runs. Both of these guys are going to 250, but I mean, it's just hard for Brady Singer in this spot because you've got the likes of Michael Massey, Kyle Isabel, Nicky Lopez, MJ Melendez, Samad Taylor, Nate Eaton. All these guys are in at 219 or lower. And really, other than Nicky Lopez, nobody has north of a 295 on base. This has been absolutely deplorable for this bunch. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, they are a bottom three team in the big leagues in terms of batting average on the road, but they do have some thumping power, and they do have guys outside of their thumpers. They're able to move the line. You're now up to six different guys with a double-figure amount of homers. Among the guys with 12-plus home runs, you've got five in total. Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Joey Gallo, Max Kepler, Michael A. Taylor. They all are hitting a 229 or lower. The man with 10 home runs, Edward Julian, 387 on base. Got some like an Alex Kurloff giving you about a 365 on base. Ryan Jeffers, Donovan Solano, they've got north of a 360 on base as well. So the Twins, they are finding guys to be able to move line. They're sort of going with the on base power, on base power sort of approach. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, they're taking the approach of we don't care about the bullpen. They're in the bottom four in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. John Heasley has actually been halfway decent for the team, but likes of Nick Wickren, Taylor Clark, Scott Barlow, Austin Cox, still 
Dylan Coleman. You can't rely upon any of these guys if they have a lead late in the game. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, this has been a top six team in terms of bullpen ERA. Yohan Duran, Jordan Balasovich area will give you a sub 2-5 ERA. Emilio Pagan is still someone that I have a little bit of a tough time trusting, but he's been able to lend some good innings this year. And Oliver Ortega has come from out of nowhere. He's been able to do a solid job holding down the Ford. I had a little bit of a rough COVID in the last series against the Seattle Mariners, but all in all, do like what I'm seeing there. So with the Minnesota Twins willing to go up to a minus 112 with that run line, I think Brady Singer pitches relatively well in this spot. I set my total at an 8.3. I don't see where the 9.5 is coming from. Recognize that the Royals' bullpen is terrible, but I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under, and I'm willing to back the Minnesota Twins on the run line, 971-972 on the banking board. The Detroit Tigers hit the road. They're facing off against the Miami Marlins. Braxton Garrett is going to be going for the fish, and Reese Olsen is on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is a underdog of anywhere between plus 130 to a plus 140. Anywhere between minus 145 to minus 155, your number on Miami. 7.5 is the total. The over is between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And with this one, I did set the Miami Marlins at a minus 174 on the money line. Was willing to take a plus 112 or higher on that run line. Currently, I'm finding that between a plus 140 to a plus 150. I recognize that it's a little bit of a roll of the dice with the way that the Miami Marlins have been a bottom two team in the National League in terms of runs per game. But I do think that we're going to be able to see a nice bounce back here for Braxton Garrett. Garrett all season long has been able to do a nice job of being able to keep the walks down. And you take a look at the numbers and he's been getting a little bit unlucky recently. 367 fielding independent compared to a 432 ERA. 10 strikeouts of 1.4 walks per nine innings. He's starting to give up the deep ball a little bit more. 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Giving up three plus runs in each out of his last four starts. But I also do think that for Braxton Garrett, he should be able to bounce back against a Detroit Tigers team that it's currently in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of runs per game. And while so many teams had a day off yesterday, the Detroit Tigers had to play 18 innings. And they did have to burn through quite a bit of that bullpen for the Detroit Tigers. The bullpen, it hasn't been like amazing or anything like that, but it certainly has been one of the better attributes of this team. For the Detroit Tigers, are right around 18th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. You've had the likes of Jose C. Serrano, Tyler Holton, Jason Foley, Alex Lang. I'll be able to give you a sub for ERA. And then when it comes to Reese Olsen, this guy's actually been a very bright sign for the team. I know that they threw him for a few long relief appearances. He should be staying in the rotation because he's been able to do a nice job. He does give up a little bit of the deep ball, but fortunately he's going up against the Miami Marlins team that they don't necessarily have a whole bunch of power as he's been giving up about 1.45 home runs per nine innings. But for Olsen, he's done a nice job of being able to get some swings and misses. His strikeouts per nine rate, hovering in the neighborhood about 9.3, only giving up about two walks per nine innings, fielding independent right around about a 3.99. And for Olsen, He's actually been able to do a rock-solid job on the road as well. 540 home ERA compared to a 318 ERA on the road. And he goes up against a Marlins bunch. And you've got Ori Soler is a great thumper for this team. 24 home runs, right around about a 333 on base. And for the Miami Marlins, they're actually a top-five team in terms of batting average. A lot of this is Luis Rice continuing to hit a 375, which has been incredible. But you've had a lot of guys be able to step up behind them as well. The likes of... Garrett Cooper, Asu Sanchez, Joey Wendell, Garrett Hampson, Brian De La Cruz, Yoli Gurriel. Only between about a 258 to 270 has been solid. Dane Myers, since he's come up to the big league level, not drawing a lot of walks, but he's hitting about a 290 as well. John Birdie has done a solid job as well. The problem has been, outside of Jorge Soler, you don't have anyone with north of 13 home runs. That'd be Brian De La Cruz. You've had Asu Sanchez, Garrett Cooper combined for about 22 home runs, but that's been a little bit of an issue for the Miami Marlins and the Marlins. 
They're about a league average bullpen as well. So you've been able to get some very good long relief out of George Soriano. I would not doubt it if he gets a few starts sooner rather than later. He's actually been very good for the team. But likes of Stephen O'Curd, Uskar Brazova, and JT Charcois being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. I think that that is going to be solid against a Detroit Tigers team that they are going to be a little bit burnt out after playing a double dip yesterday. You've got Spencer Torkelson who's been able to supply 15 home runs and you got two other players on the roster with north of seven home runs. Considering it is now July 28th, that's a big, giant issue. And you just have a lack of guys able to move the line for the team. As Avi Baez, Torkelson, who I mentioned a little bit before, Jake Rogers, Akil Badu, Zach Short. Whenever he's gotten at bat, Jonathan Scope has he's been in and out of the fold all season long. They're all hitting at 230 or worse. Riley Green has been the lone guy to really move the line for the team. 375 on base, 310 batting average. Matt Veerling has been okay as well with right around about a 330 on base. But all in all for the Detroit Tigers, this has been a deplorable offense. I do think that Braxton Garrett could be able to go out there. He's going to be able to do a nice job. I think we've went a little bit too low with this total, especially because the Detroit Tigers bullpen, it is just cooked. After the fact that they had to play a double dip, they didn't get a day off. So, did set my total at some point, and I do think that with the Miami Marlins, the way that they just get on base in general, they should be able to uh, be able to get some runs, and that's why I do find some value on this run line. Looking at that Marlins run line and taking a look at the over. 973-974 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies play OC Oakland A's. It is undecided going for the A's, and Kyle Freeland is on the bump for Colorado. This is a game that's off the board. I was simulating as if we get J.P. Sears, and... If we do go to Sears for the Oakland A's, I set the Rockies at a minus 163 on the money line. We need at least a plus 117 to take a shot on the run line. And in my total, 11.6 aware and 11.5 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over and a 12 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under for Kyle Freeland. This is going to be his first start since coming off of the injured list. He went on the injured list very early on in July. So it's not like he was out of the fold for like many, many months or anything like that. Really didn't do a whole heck of a lot of rehab starts or anything like that. But for Freeland... He's been one of the few guys that has been able to pitch at Coors Field this far this season. 4.13 home ERA compared to about a 5.33 ERA on the road now with Kyle Freeland. Not a strikeout artist by any stretch of the imagination. He is getting fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings, but has been pretty steady in the way that he has not allowed a lot of walks. Has been able to do a solid job of keeping the ball in the yard at home, going up against someone in J.P. Sears, in which the one kryptonite that you've got with him, he does give up those home runs. 1.9 home runs per nine innings. He's got a 4.19 ERA, but a fielding independent of a 5.21. I don't think that he's going to be able to get away with that in Coors Field, even though this has been a relatively deplorable Colorado Rockies offense. For the Rockies, they've got the biggest home and road splits in terms of actual runs per game, but if you're actually taking a look in terms of batting average, the Boston Red Sox actually have a bigger home and road split. Very much a rarity because typically the Colorado Rockies, they lead all of baseball with all of those aspects, but for the Colorado Rockies, what is good news for them is the fact that C.J. Crone and Chris Bryan, they are back. These were two of the guys that they were really banking on coming into the season. Both of these guys they have missed quite a few games, so just being able to get them back in the fold is big. Cronus may able to give you 11 home runs. Chris Bryant, just eight, but I do think that they're going to be able to help out this offense moving forward as Ryan McMahon has been the only guy on this team to be able to give you north of 11 home runs. He's been able to have 16 bombs. Lions Diaz, ever since the All-Star game of which he became the hero, has not necessarily done a whole lot of lot, but like the way that Randall Gritchick has been hitting for this team as well, at home he has been even better than he has been on the road, but I mean, he's hitting overall for the season a 307. That goes up to a 337 when he is in Colorado. Been able to get some relatively good at-bats out of someone like an Harold Castro as well. Doesn't
doesn't draw a lot of walks, but he's hitting about a 270. Main issue for the Colorado Rockies has been power. They've been in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat and a per-game basis. And the Oakland A's are currently dead stinking last with regards to batting average. They are dead stinking last when it comes to runs per game. They're dealing with Esteri Ruiz, who is leading the American League at stolen bases, currently being on the injured list. And for Esteri Ruiz, he's pretty much the only guy with north of 70 at-bats on the roster that has been able to above a 252 as John Tadias has been able to do an okay job of being able to move the line. Brent Rooker, he continues to give you about a 330 on base, 16 home runs, and Ryan Noda is on base percentage, a 375. Goes up to right around a 400 on the road, and for the A's, they actually do it 17 points higher when they're on the road rather than when they are at home, and the Coors Field elevation should be able to help them out. A little bit of credit where credit is due to the bullpen of the Oakland A's as well as they're still dead last overall for the season in terms of bullpen area. Been more around 20th in the league in terms of bullpen area over the last three days. And for the Colorado Rockies, they've been more around 19th. They did trade away Pierce Johnson, which honestly I think is an upgrade for the Rockies because he was absolutely terrible for the team. We saw Daniel Bart make a mess of the ninth inning of the Washington Nationals series a few days ago. But oh no, you've been able to get some good production out of the likes of Brent Suter, Justin Lawrence. Maybe they will give you sub three ERAs, even with that hiccup for Daniel Party. He's been able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, Austin Pruitt has been relatively okay for this bunch, but Richard Lovelady, since coming off the injured list, has not been himself, might not be available for this series as well. They're now looking to some like an Anel Felipe, who's been actually relatively solid in his six appearances, but it's a relatively small sample size to this point. So if we do get Freeland versus JP Sears, setting the Rockies at a money line price of minus 163, plus 115 or higher, we'll only take a look at the run line, 11 after less, looking at the over 12 or higher to the under, 975, 976 on the bank board, the Arizona and the Diamondbacks, they play us the Miami Marlins. Logan Gilbert goes for the Marlins, and Tommy Henry is on the bump for Arizona. Arizona is the underdog. You're getting them between plus 115 and plus 125. Anywhere between minus 135 to minus 142 is your number on Seattle. Nine is the total. The under is between minus 115 to a minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And I did set my total at an 8.7. I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under. Do I think that Tommy Henry is going to be able to keep up the numbers that he's been having recently? No, but at the same time, Tommy Henry has been pitching much better recently than he did at the beginning part of the season, and especially in his rookie year last year for Henry, he did give up four runs, three of which were earned in his last start against the Cincinnati Reds, but because he only gave up three earned runs, he has now given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last seven starts, so he's been on the up and up there now. He's got a 401 ERA compared to a 514 fielding independent. Much of this is because he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, only about 6.3 strikeouts per nine innings. He's still giving up right around 3.7 walks per nine innings as well, but has been remarkably better at home rather than on the road. On the road, 505 ERA compared to a three ERA at home, and at home, he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. On the road, more like 1.7 home runs per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Logan Gilbert, I feel like he's been a little bit unlucky with the way that he has given up runs as well as Gilbert has done a great job of being able to keep the walks down. 1.6 walks per nine innings, gets 8.8 strikeouts per nine. Gives up a little bit of the deep ball, but it's not terrible. He gives up 1.2 home runs per nine innings, 388 ERA compared to a fielding independent of a 366. And he's been pitching much better recently. Two runs of fear in three out of his last four starts. Did get lit up in his last start against the Toronto Blue Jays, but the Mariners have been able to ride him recently. They've won each out of his last four starts. And for the Seattle Mariners, they're starting to get a little bit more thumping power, and it's balanced thumping power from this team. As you've right now got four separate guys with between 14 and 17 home runs, and Eugenio Suarez, Teoscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh, all in that fold. And for Suarez, about a 325 on base. Cal Raleigh, he's still hitting about a 230, but 
for Julio Rodriguez, hitting about a 250. That's been nice for a Seattle Mariners team that they are a bottom six team in terms of overall batting average. Meanwhile, you've got an Arizona Diamondbacks team in which their power really decreases when they're at home, but they do a good job of just being able to move the line when they're at home as well. They're hitting about a 264 as a collective when they are at home, and they've got a nice fearsome foursome as Christian Walker has really been your main home run hitter. He's been able to pound out 22 home runs this far this season, but then you've got Corbin Carroll, 21 bombs, Lourdes Gurriel, Quitel Marte of the Marte Parte, both between 15 and 17 home runs for Gurriel, down to about a 300 on base, but the other three guys, Walker, Marte, and Corbin Carroll, they've all been able to at least a 268 with all being able to give you at least a 343 on base. Then you've got 30 stolen bases out of Corbin Carroll. Also, Jake McCarthy, 333 on base, 23 stolen bases. The Arizona Diamondbacks do a good job of being able to put men in motion, but have a little bit of trepidation with this bullpen. Joe Mantiply has not been what he was last season. Andrew Chaffin just has had a bad week in general. Miguel Castro, Scott McGough, these are guys that are relatively okay, but McGough has been having his issues. Kyle Nelson, I feel like, is the most trustworthy guy in this bullpen at this point as for the Arizona Diamondbacks in terms of their overall bullpen area thus far this season. 24th in the league. Meanwhile, you've got a Seattle Mariners team that's done a good job of being able to mix and match with their bullpen. They're number five in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. Maybe deal with the injury to Penn Murphy all season long, but you've had the likes of Justin Topa, Andres Munoz, Taylor Sacato all be able to step up. Isaiah Campbell, throw him in there as well. All these guys give me a sub-3-5 ERA. Matt Brash has been a little bit up and down, but I do think that the overall bullpen depth should be able to give Seattle a little bit of an edge here, but I think we went too far. I set the Mariners at a minus 122, so being able to get north of a plus 125 at a lot of spots right now on the Arizona Diamondbacks, could be one to back them on the money line, like what I'm seeing out of Tommy Henry, and you've had a Seattle Mariners team that has had a tough time putting the ball in play all season long, set by total at 8.7, so looking under and looking at the money line of Arizona. 977-978 on the bang board. The Texas Rangers are on the road facing off against the San Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove goes for the pods, and Dane Dunning looks at Gitter Dunning for Texas, and Texas is back to being an underdog, heading between plus 145 to plus 154, and between minus 165 to minus 172, your number on San Diego, 8 to 8.5 is the total on the Overs between minus 115 to minus 125, unders between minus 105 to plus 105, seeing it's right 8.5 out there as well, that under is minus 120, and the over is even. Semi-total at an 8.3, would much rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under, but I think we've went too far in this spot. I do think that Joe Musgrove should certainly be the favorite, but at a plus 140 or higher, I was willing to take a shot on the Rangers, and I'm in total agreement with our guest and Andrew Cayley. I do think that regression is going to continue to come for Dane Dunning, and I've been fading Dane Dunning in quite a few spots because you take a look at the ERA compared to the fielding independent, it doesn't match up. 318 ERA, fielding independent of a 418, and I feel like that regression hit hard in that start against the LA Dodgers. He gave up five runs at three innings. That turned out to be a 16-3 loss, but when you've got an offense like the Texas Rangers do have, and you've got complete dysfunction like the San Diego Padres have, playing this sort of number against a team with a winning record like the Rangers do, and the Padres just not being able to get out of their own way all season long is something that I can't do. Now, for Joe Musgrove, he has been able to do a tremendous job recently. For Musgrove, he has now given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts since the beginning of the month of June. As a matter of fact, each out of his last 10 starts has given up three runs or fewer. He has really been at his best. Actually has a little bit of a higher home ERA rather than a road ERA, 340 home ERA compared to a 307 
ERA on the road, but you take a look at what he's been able to do recently in the sense start stretch, has been able to post up a sub-250 ERA, and you got to take out that Mexico City start when you evaluate Joe Musgrove as well. That's just a little bit unfair, and that's conditions that nobody should be going through, but I mean, for the San Diego Padres, it's a very top-heavy lineup, which is why they have been stranding so many men on base. You've got Manny Machado, Juan Soto, both with 20 home runs, and Fernando Tatis Jr. with 17, and for Tatis Jr., last 45 days, has been hitting above a thrower. Manny Machado, since coming off the Adrian sitting above a 280 and Juan Soto continue to provide that 420 on base and if you look at raw war Hassan Kim is actually the National League leader in war above someone like a Bronto Lacuna Jr., which much of that is due to what he does in the field. But 365 on base for Hassan Kim. He's now up to 14 home runs. And Xander Bogarts has been able to give you a 350 on base with a double-figure amount of homers. But what's ailing the Padres is typically 7 through 9, occasionally 6 through 9. As right now you've got the entire catcher spot, Runet Odor, Trent Christian, Brandon Dixon, Matt Carpenter, all these guys hitting a 210 or lower. Grisham is able to give you about a 316 on base and has 10 home runs, but oh no, it's been a rough state of affairs there. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, even with dealing with a few ailments with Corey Seager missing much of that series against the Houston Astros, this team has still been able to put out their lineup in which all but two of their starters are hitting at least a 270, and you've got so much just balanced power with regards to the Texas Rangers as well. If you include Corey Seager, you've got eight separate guys that will be able to give you at least 11 home runs. You've got Adolis Garcia and Josh Young, the headliners for this offense, a combined 45 home runs. Both of them give you between about a 325 to a 335 on base. And then when it comes to Marcus Simeon, he has been tremendous at the leadoff spot. I believe that he leads at big leagues in terms of total runs scored. Nate Lowe, 380 on base, 12 home runs. Ezekiel Duran, hitting about a 290, 13 home runs. You just go down the list, and it's remarkable. And for the Rangers, we have seen this team pick up a few pieces for the bullpen. Aroldis Chapman, along with Brock Burke. Throw in there as well. Will Smith, these are guys that are giving you a sub-3-5 ERA. Jose LeClerc, he's gotten his ERA down to below a 3 as well. So even though the Rangers are in the bottom 10 in terms of bullpen ERA, things are looking up for them. And for the San Diego Padres throughout much of the season, they've been number one in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA, but it's just really taken a turn for the worse over the last three days for the San Diego Padres. 24th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Good news is reinforcements are back. Steven Wilson has returned from injury for the team. You're also getting Robert Suarez back as well. Tom Cosgrove has been able to hold it down with a sub-3 ERA, and we all know what Josh Hader is able to do, but it's been a forgettable season for Luis Garcia. We've seen the Martinez really start to regress as well, and I do think that the Padres should be a favorite because I do, once again, think that Dane Dunning does give up some runs. So here at the 8, I'm taking a look at the over, but I think we've just went too far with a Padres team that can't be trusted with this big of a money line. I'm taking the money line of the Rangers at anything above a plus 140 and take a look at the 8 over and we're at things up with 979-980 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants play with the Boston Red Sox. Carter Crawford goes for the Sox. Logan Webb is on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco, anywhere between a minus 149 to a minus 160 favorite, anywhere between plus 130 to a plus 140, your number on Boston. 7.5 is the total. Over is between minus 115 to a minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 105. Going to be willing to back Logan Webb at home. I set him as a minus 176 favorite. We've seen a rough last week, week and a half or so from the San Francisco Giants, but I love the way that they platoon. I still love this bullpen, which has been number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA, really since the beginning of the month of May. And you just take a look at the way that Logan Webb throughout his career has dominated at home, and that puts me on him. 
for Logan Webb, he's got an ERA that's about a full point lower at home rather than on the road throughout his career. Actually, it's even more than that. 279 career home ERA, 415 ERA on the road and at home. He is giving up less than a half a home run per nine innings throughout his career. He has been absolutely remarkable there. Going up against a Boston Red Sox team, and if you got the most demonstrative, Home and road splits when it comes to batting average in all baseball. For the Red Sox, they had a 292 at home compared to a 237 on the road. That is a 55 set point drop off when they are on the road. For the Boston Red Sox, you actually have Rafael Devers, who has hit more home runs on the road than he has at home. He's got 25 overall home runs thus far this season on the road. He has been able to slug out 15 of them, but I mean, on the road, he does see his batting average fall quite a bit as well. He's been hitting a 267 overall for the season. It's more like a 245 on the road. You've got someone like an Alex Verdugo. His batting average is more than 70 points lower when he's on the road rather than when he's at home as he overall for the season has been able to give you about a 345 on base, hitting about a 270 overall for the season. Justin Turner has not necessarily been so comfortable when he's been on the road as well. 16 home runs, hitting a 289 overall for the season, but at home, you've got Turner hitting about a 311. Actually, it's once again, more home runs on the road than he does at home, but hitting just a 262 on the road compared to that 311 at home. Jaron Duran sees his numbers really fall off as well, so that's a big issue, and for the San Francisco Giants, this bullpen has been able to do an absolutely incredible job recently. You've got both of the Rodgers brothers. You've got Ryan Walker, Camilio Duvall, all these guys that have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA since the beginning of the month of May. Overall, for the season, the Giants are number 8 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. The Red Sox, surprisingly, are number 4. I do think that we're going to be seeing some progression there, but they get... Back in the fold, someone who was very good for them last year, and John Schreiber, he, Josh Winkowski, throwing there, Brandon Bernardino, these guys are giving you a sub-4 ERA. Kenley Jansen has actually been able to do a halfway decent job as well, and they have to tame a San Francisco Giants lineup that they do such an amazing job with their platooning splits. As you've got nobody with north of 13 home runs this far this season for the San Francisco Giants, but you've got six different guys that have been able to supply at least 10 home runs, and Pretty much all these guys, aside from Mikey Stremski, have been able to hit north of a 245. So they've been able to do a nice job of the line. You've got Lamonte Wade Jr. giving you a 400 on base. He's been able to slug out nine home runs. Just so much balance when it comes to the San Francisco Giants lineup. J.D. Davis, he's up to 13 home runs, giving you about a 340 on base. Michael Conforto's had a little bit of a rough go of it recently, but do you think that the Giants are going to be able to get to someone that I actually like in Cutter Crawford? I do think that Cutter Crawford, oftentimes, he is a little bit undervalued as he does a nice job of just keeping things out in front of him and not making the big mistake. He's got a 404 ERA overall for the season and has given up one and a half home runs per nine innings, but gives up just two walks per nine innings. He's been able to get nearly nine strikeouts per nine innings, comes in having allowed three runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts. Did have a little bit of a rough go of it in his last start against the Mets, and because he does pitch at Fenway, it does lead to sometimes that ERA being a little bit heightened as he's been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. 603 home ERA, 248 ERA on the road, but I do think that the Giants are going to be able to get to him and fly it off. I just think that Logan Webb is a better pitcher in this spot. I did set the Giants minus 175 with regards to the money line. With the run line, I was willing to take anything above a plus 115. I'm currently finding that run line at a plus 140. I recognize that it's a little bit dicey taking the home team on the run line, but I'm going to be willing to do it here at that big plus price. And I did set my total at 7.9, so here at the 7.5, looking at the over to go along with that Giants run line. And that will wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Andrew Kaley of Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Via the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.